This is The Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota, and I am Pastor Joe Faldette. We have worship at 9.30 a.m. during the summertime. We can be found online at hosannafreelutheran.com and in podcast format on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app as The Kingdom at Hand. All right. Our sermon today is from Ephesians 5, verses 17 through 20. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. Ephesians 5, verses 17 through 20. And I read in Jesus' name. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, we ask that you would bless this time. Lord, that you'd bless our meditation. Father, that you would open our eyes to see what you have for us and humble our hearts, Lord, that we might accept it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So today as we come, Paul is making a division between our actions, really. And, well, actually not our actions, between our personhoods. And so our very selves do not be foolish. You know, be wise. And that's not saying just how you act in this world. It's actually telling you that which exists inside of you. May it be wise. May it be foolish. Don't let it be foolish. So as we start, Paul gives us some life goals. How do we approach our life as a whole? Paul says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I submit to you that um, we all come out foolish. Period. I know that I am striving to leave behind the foolishness of my personal sinful selfishness and to move towards wisdom, and it is very humbling for me to have children and to interact with children because I see in them the same foolishness that I'm still struggling with. And I used to think that I was pretty good, and then I had kids and realized um, how not far I have come. (laughs) Because it's sad to see sometimes my children be more mature than their daddy. Do not be foolish. What does Paul mean? When, When the Greeks used the word foolish... There's, there's a number of different levels in that foolishness. It's acting like a child. That's what's foolish. But why, why is a child foolish? What makes a child foolish? Parents, you might say it's their mom or their dad, and that's what makes a child foolish. But really, when you dig down into it, what makes a child foolish, according to how we understand foolish, it's the fact that they don't think about tomorrow. They only think about right now. How many kids would happily eat their whole, like, bag of Halloween treats right now? 
you know, Emily would still do that. (laughs) What's the problem with that? I want it now. Well, the problem comes because, A, I won't have it tomorrow then. And so if I eat all of my treats right now, they won't exist in the future. The other problem with that is that it's going to make me sick. And so not only am I not thinking about my future provision, I'm not even considering the immediate future consequences. I'm going to eat this until I get sick. Do not be foolish. That's what Paul is saying here. Because sometimes in this world, it doesn't pay for me to have something stored up. You know, whether there's hyperinflation like in Venezuela, or you've got something that's highly perishable, you know, like the strawberries sitting on your counter. If you've got strawberries sitting on your counter, what's the best time to eat them? Today or four weeks from now? Yesterday. They should have been eating already. You, there are some things that you just don't save up for the long haul. Foolishness is saying, I'm going to save everything up for the long haul, or I'm going to save nothing up for the long haul. It's not taking into account the situation that we're in. We're not looking at the consequences of our actions. What are the consequences of these actions? If I'm not looking to those, I'm in trouble. That's foolishness that Paul is saying here. Do not be foolish, but figure out what the will of the Lord is. Understand, and the Greek word there for understand means something that you have had to put your mind to in order to come to a rational understanding. I hate using the definition and the the word and the definition, but that's what this Greek word means. I have to think about it and figure it out because it's not necessarily obvious. He did one of the podcasts, I don't don't know if you guys have listened to it or not, but uh, the one that I posted yesterday talking about, you know, in Acts 19, the Acts 19 bonfire when the the sorcerers burned all of their books and there were 50,000 drachmas, which a drachma is a day's wage, and there were 50,000 drachmas that they burned. And then the next verse says, and because of this, the word of the Lord continued to spread and increase in power. Or you could translate that authority too. But it continued to spread and increase in authority and increase in power. It had impact into people's lives. And the question I was reading as I, the question I had as I was reading that was, what does God want me to remove from my life or to put in my life that in my life the word of God might have, might have the opportunity to spread and grow in authority even for me? And you know, I couldn't figure that out. I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I didn't have any answer. didn't have any answer. It wasn't obvious to me. And so I kept praying about it. And I recorded that on Friday. I finally got it posted yesterday. Uh, do, some, do some technical issues. And it wasn't until after I posted it that finally God revealed it to me. You know, it was, I need to be more organized. Well, is that obvious? Some people think I'm very organized, which is sad. Because <laughs> I'm not. I don't think I am. But there's that much work to be done. And if I can organize myself and submit to myself and humble myself to that, then God said, there's more here. You can become more. 
can do more if you submit to yourself to organization. And so as I was praying about that, that wasn't obvious. I had to come to an understanding. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's not saying just rely upon your reason, but be spending time with God and using your reason. Because God will work with that as you're praying and you're thinking. He'll bring those things together and come to understand what the will of the Lord is. So he said, Joe, you need to be more organized. That's what I needed. You know, some of you, maybe you need to be more disorganized. I don't know. You need to be more spontaneous. I don't know. God does. But understand what the Lord's will is. And the interesting thing about that is you've got foolishness over here and you've got the Lord's will over here. Paul sets those apart as opposites to each other. You can't be foolish and walking in the Lord's will all at the same time. Because he puts that but in there, right? But understand what the will of the Lord is. And so what's the Lord's will? Well, we've got general things and then we've got specific things. Because we've got what the, what's the Lord's will? Let's see here. What does scripture say? God wills that all men come to be saved or be saved and come to knowledge of the truth. Um, God desires all people to come to repentance. God desires all people to trust Jesus. He desires that everybody submit to Christ. Uh, he desires that we would read his word and that we'd be in fellowship with each other and that we would be accountable to each other and that we would be spending time in prayer. And he wills a lot of things. Right? Once you're saved and you start walking with Christ, a lot of those big things become, they just fall into place that you would read his word and start implementing those things. But then you start getting into some of these specific things. But you know the interesting thing about these specific things, even the general things, is if you want... If you want your life to work best, according to God's best, which is the best overall, then we follow God's will. So foolishness always ends up bad. How many of you said that was some great foolishness? Wasn't that fun? Sometimes, maybe. (laughs) But that would be a difference in foolishness. True foolishness. We never look back and say, that was a great idea. Usually we say, I shouldn't have done that. At least I do. Look back and say, I say that a lot. Um, Understand what the Lord's will is because that's what's best. That's what the philosophers have been looking at for ages. That's That's what our world is pursuing. They're asking the question, what is best? What is worthy? What is valuable? Paul says here, it's the Lord's will. That's the thing that requires, that deserves your attention. What is foolishness? And, verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the foolish, with the, sorry, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So, and do not get drunk with wine. And so we're continuing this thought. Do not be foolish. And then, but, understand what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk with wine. So, This is pretty clear, you know? And do not get drunk with wine. So what is Paul telling us here? 
don't, the, at the very basic, the easiest level, don't get drunk. You know, that's interesting. Why would he pick on that? You guys wonder that? I, as I was reading through this, like, you know, there's all sorts of things that he could be talking about. And do not have, you know, commit sexual immorality. Well, that would be kind of an obvious one, too. You know, and do not be greedy. Oh, that's kind of an obvious one, too. But he says, and do not get drunk with wine. And do not get drunk. Well, what is, what is drunkenness? You know, where, where does that start? Is, is Paul saying that wine is evil? That alcohol is inherently evil and therefore you have to stay away from all alcohol? No. Paul's not saying that. And I can't say that. Because if I'm going to stand on Scripture, I can't, and I've, I've looked and I've read the arguments, I can't unequivocally say alcohol is evil. I can't do it. Scripture doesn't say that. I can say that getting drunk is evil. And when we're reading this and when we're looking at this, we can't go beyond Scripture and go either direction. I have friends, pastoral friends, who say, this doesn't really mean drunk, this means drunkenness. And so this is being in the habit of getting drunk. And the Greek doesn't support that. And so it isn't that, you know, I can get drunk one night a week, but not four. No, that's not what Paul is saying here. He is saying, don't get drunk. Well, where do you put that line as to what's drunk and what's not? I don't know. I'll be honest, because I read a bunch of commentaries on this. I have in the past, I didn't this week, but I have in the past. And they've got all sorts of different discussions as to where exactly are you drunk. And I have some friends who say, you know what, you, one drink and you're drunk. I have other friends who say, you know what, I can have ten and I don't feel a thing. Whatever. I don't know. I was actually reading a YouTube comment underneath the video at one time, and this guy, he had gone keto. And he said, um, if, you're, if you're going keto, you have to be careful when you're drinking. Because I used to be able to have 10 shots and have no problem. Then I had 10 shots, and I ended up in the hospital because of alcohol poisoning. Because I guess people who are on keto can't handle the alcohol. So I guess it depends on your diet, too. Whereas drunk, I don't know. That's part of this, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And so, is it possible that God says, you know what? Peg, don't drink at all. Yeah. Cheryl, you can have two. And, you know, just... I don't know. I don't know. You know, and this comes back to that understand what the will of the Lord is. If Paul says drunk and he uses a phrase that's kind of ambivalent, that we, it's not clear. It's got this huge spectrum because you've got drunk as in I've got a buzz and then you've got this drunk as in I can't stand and remember what happened last night. And we call all of that spectrum drunk, right? That's a big spectrum. And so can I stand here and say, Elaine, you can have four. But after four, that's drunk. 
I can't do that. And I mean that in all honesty. But neither can I say you can't have anything. If you have any alcohol, even cough syrup. I had a pastor friend who said that. There has never been any alcohol who's crossed these lips. That was his exact quote. No, no alcohol has ever crossed these lips. And you're like, not even cough syrup? He goes, well, I've had cough syrup. Like, where do you draw the line then? It's, I can't do that for you. I can't. God can. You know, how organized am I supposed to be? You can't tell me how organized I'm supposed to be. I know people who organize, I've read about them online, I don't think, I hope none of you do this, who organize their lives down to 15 minute intervals. How organized should I be? There was a philosopher at one time, a Greek philosopher who said, how dare these people divide my day into 24 periods? He didn't like organizing his day by the hour. He liked organizing his day by the day. What's the will of the Lord? You know, when it comes down to that specific, I can't tell you. But if your conscience is bothering you, don't do it. That's what this understanding what the will of the Lord is. If, if you're the sort of personality you can't have one drink, then don't have one drink. Period. Don't get drunk. Don't put yourself into that situation. Can I say that for everybody? No. Because this is asotia. It's a Greek word. This is debauchery. But the word debauchery, how many of you use the word debauchery in your common usage? Nobody uses the word debauchery. And so it's like, I'm just going to go back to the Greek word. We're going to talk about that. So what does asotia mean? Don't get drunk because this is asotia. Asotia means a behavior which shows a lack of thought or, or a lack of concern or thought for the consequences of an action. So this is asotia. This is the same concept as our word foolishness. It's translated debauchery. Nobody knows what debauchery really means, uh, you know, in common usage. So this is asotia. This is an action that shows that I'm the sort of person that doesn't care what the consequences are, or I don't think about the consequences. And so if I'm getting drunk, that means that I'm the sort of person Whatever that drunkenness means, if I'm pursuing the buzz or if I'm pursuing, you know, the full three sheets to the wind. But that shows that I'm the sort of person that doesn't think about the consequences of my actions. Do not get drunk because that shows that you're the sort of person. That reveals that you're the sort of person that doesn't think about the consequences of their actions. And you know, this doesn't just tie into drunkenness then. This ties into anything that people give themselves over to without having the wisdom to say, you know what, enough is enough. There are are people who do this with work, right? They will work until their families fall apart. Happily. You know what, that's asotia. They will seek leisure until they get fired from their jobs. That's asotia. I'm going to pursue my relaxation even to the point where I get fired. That's asotia. Don't do that. That's foolishness. That's a sign you're not thinking about the consequences of your actions. There are people who will eat consistently until they get sick. That's asotia. 
It's not just drunk on wine. It's eating food. Until you get sick, you don't do that. That's asotia. Everything that we approach in this world, we think about it in terms of the consequences that are coming. Otherwise, that's asotia. Drunkenness is an easy one because you know what? The person who's drunk, I don't exactly know why people get drunk, um, but I can say that I know a number of people who get drunk so that they can do what they want without having to deal with their conscience at that time. You know that, I'm going to go and get drunk and have a good time. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means I can do what I want. What does that mean? Well, that means that they're not listening to their inhibitions anymore. That's asotia. So friends, as we think about that, don't think about this just in terms of wine. Think about it in terms of every aspect of your life. If you are just giving yourself fully over to something, not considering the consequences of your actions, that's asotia. And that is sin. This word is describing sin. So do not get drunk with wine, because that is sin. That is asotia. That is, that, that is the demonstration that you are not thinking about the consequences of your actions. Don't eat until you get sick, because that is asotia. Don't work until your family falls apart. Don't per- pursue leisure until you get fired. Don't spend your money until you have nothing but debt. That is asotia. All of those things are asotia. I could go on. Do you want me to go on? I don't think you do. Does that make sense? Like, this is asotia. That's the problem. Drunkenness, that's a problem. Asotia, that's the problem. Do not engage in an action that you can't control. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this, I was so excited when I was studying this because I finally understood it, Laverne. It's been years since I've heard this and I've never understood what in the world does this mean. I've I've never understood that. I didn't know. The Greek word here, but be filled, means the completion of something. And so you could translate this instead of be filled, you could translate this be complete or be satisfied by the Holy Spirit. So why do people get drunk? They're seeking some sort of satisfaction, something that's going to make them happy. They might pursue happiness because they think happiness, they have enough happiness in their life, then they will be satisfied and their life will have meaning. They're looking for satisfaction. And so I'm going to pursue money until, I have, until I'm satisfied. How does that work out? Oh, is it Henry Ford who said, when are you going to be satisfied? And Henry Ford responded, when I make my next dollar. Hugely wealthy. Never satisfied. And so Paul is saying, but be filled or be fulfilled or be satisfied by the Holy Spirit. Now this is an awesome reality that we have that we can give to the whole world. So instead of just focusing on asotia, what we really should be focusing on, which is important too because that tells us what to stay away from. But here we have what do we pursue? We pursue we pursue the Holy Spirit in Christ. We can have satisfaction that is actually satisfying. How about that? That will give you fulfillment for the wholeness of your life. In Christ you can have that. No job can do that. Why? How do I know that? Because everybody would be doing it. 
No amount of money could do that. You know, it doesn't matter if you got $75,000, $25, or what do you guys have, Jim? $5 billion? No. <laughs> you got $5 billion. It doesn't matter. Do you think Bill Gates is satisfied with his money? If he was satisfied by his money, he wouldn't be trying to do all these philanthropic things. Yeah, philanthropic's the right word. He would be trying to be such a philanthropist, giving all of this money away, which is just a drop in the bucket, by the way, but I'm not going to disparage Bill Gates. Um, if, if that really satisfied him, he would just be done. But what does the Holy Spirit, what does walking in the Spirit do? That gives us the promise of true satisfaction, satisfaction that is wise instead of satisfaction that is foolish. That's the promise of the Holy Spirit. I can give myself completely to Christ, and it's going to make every other aspect of my life better. Think about that. If I give myself completely to my job, will it make my family life better? No. If I give myself completely to making money, will it make my pastoring better? Probably not. If I give myself completely to alcohol, will it make my life better in any way? Nope. If I give my life to Jesus, will it make my life better in every way? Yes. That's what this means. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. This doesn't just, it's not speaking about some emotional state. It's actually speaking about a surrender of the will. And that's what this whole organizational thing is too, by the way. It's part of it's being willing to surrender my will because I'm kind of ornery. Um, I don't like people telling me what to do, even if it's a calendar that I have set up. <laughs> I know, it's weird, right? That's, that's, Yeah. Sad. So what does this mean? What does this look like? How do we be filled with the Spirit? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Thankfully, this doesn't mean singing to each other. Because that would be strange too. <laughs> but as we talk to each other. So if, if I'm talking to someone. If I'm talking to a farmer. My... My basic go-to, if, I'm, if I meet a farmer and I don't really know what to talk about, what do you ask them about? The crops. Or the weather. Why? That's what they're thinking about. That's what's rolling around inside of their brain. They're thinking about crops. They're thinking about weather. They're thinking about prices. They're probably not thinking about candle making. You know? Come over to the Ufers. So, Mark, how's that candle making going? What? What do you think about beeswax versus paraffin? How about this soy wax alternative? Have you ever thought about that? I haven't either. We don't talk about that. Why don't we talk about that? Because people aren't thinking about that. You would never ask a farmer about that. Why? Because that's not what they're thinking about. So when Paul says, be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, what is he saying? Be so filled with the Word of God that when you're talking to people, that's what you want to talk about. Oh. So I don't just have to address Laverne in the 23rd Psalm. How are you doing today, Joe? Well, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That might be kind of nice to hear sometimes instead of hearing, uh, I don't know. You can go on from there, but I'm not going to. But that's not what it means. This means be filled with the word of God. Be filled with the spiritual realities to such an extent that you want to speak about them. 
psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So that's one of the joyful things about having hymns and praise songs, is we can think about those things. You know, how often do you think about the awful purity of God as we sang in, was that How Great Thou Art? Is that that one? I don't know, one of the hymns that we already sang, it's saying it said, the awful purity of God. And that really struck me. And I'm going to be thinking about that, because what does that mean? But we should be thinking about these things, because what we speak reveals to the world what we've been thinking about. So as we're interacting with each other, we better be revealing that we've been thinking about the Word of God. Because that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To be giving yourself totally over to that instead of giving yourself totally over to, I don't know, Joe Rogan or Jim Gaffigan. Sorry, these are podcast people. Jim Gaffigan's a comedian. Or, you know, whatever Shepard Smith has been saying on Fox News. You know, what are we talking about? What we talk about reveals what we're thinking about. What are we thinking about? And so that's how we're to be interacting with each other. Be, think, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Have yourself filled with the Word of God in all of its forms. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know, those, why those things? Because they're easy to remember. Making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this, and this is great. This made me excited too. I don't have, every time I talk to you guys, I don't have to be singing. Because I make melody in my heart to the Lord and not to Jim. You know, because that would be really awkward too, wouldn't it? Everywhere we go, we go around singing. You know, it'd be like a musical except out of pitch. Um, (laughs) So this is how, (laughs) maybe not for all of you, it would be for me. This is how we interact with God then. So be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Have the Holy Spirit living in me in such a way that as I'm interacting with God, I'm singing to God. I'm making melody to the Lord. I'm giving thanks to Him. And you know that giving thanks, it's super powerful. And it's really interesting here, at least as far as I'm concerned. Giving thanks always and for everything. What does that preposition for mean? Giving thanks for everything. I can give thanks in everything a lot easier than I can give thanks for everything, right? Because if I'm in a bad situation, there's at least some good in that situation. Paul says here, give thanks for. So you mean not being able to sleep last night is something I should be giving thanks for? Oh yeah. For everything. Wow. Why? Because that shows that we trust that God knows best and that God is working good out of this and that somehow, even if I am praying against this thing, I should still be thanking God for this thing because it's making me come to Him in prayer. Thank you, God, for the division within our government. What? Why? I don't know, but I trust that God's going to work something good out of it. Thank you, God, for the storm last night. Why? I don't know, but I'm trusting that God's going to work some good out of it. (laughs) Because Lindy's got an idea about chainsaws for Jesus. Yep. (laughs) You know, but that's what this means. Giving thanks for everything. 
It's an act of faith, not a reaction of your emotions. You can't emotionally give thanks for everything. You can emotionally give thanks in everything, but you can't emotionally give thanks for everything. It's an act of the will because I know that God is considering these consequences. God is not asotia. God knows the end from the beginning. And so when that bad thing happens, I don't know what it is. Hopefully it doesn't happen today. Odds are it will. <laughs> Think, say, stop and say, thank you, God. You've got a purpose and you've got a plan in all of this. You can work good out of this. If that means that I have to rebuke this and then I get to see you work, thank you for that. If that means that I have to embrace this and live with this trial for a little while, thank you for that. Are you making me stronger? What are you doing? I don't know. Thank you for that. Thank you. Show me how to interact with it. Give thanks for everything. Always. Any questions? Be wise. What is wisdom? Be looking at the consequences of your actions. That's what the Lord's will is, that you would be representing God in this, that you would be looking at what, what does this bear? Don't be foolish. Don't get drunk. That's asotia. Don't give yourself over to anything where you lose control because then that means that you're not paying attention to the consequences of it. That's asotia. Don't commit asotia. Wow, that sounds strange. Don't do it. Don't commit asotia. Because that means that you're not representing God properly. You're not thinking about the consequences. But as you're interacting with in your life, what do you do? Give your life completely over to the Lord. That's what's best. Speaking in scripture and in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and then singing to God and praising Him, giving Him thanks for everything. Because there's a reason. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we need help, Lord. We need help to understand this stuff. We need help to apply these things. These are tough. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word and the clarity in it. Lord, and I pray that you would bless us. Lord, that we would seek satisfaction in your Holy Spirit rather than anything else in this world. Lord, thank you for that. Guide us. Glorify your name through us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.